Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. And I hope today you have uh, felt welcomed and uh, that you are glad you're here and that we can believe together that just anything is possible. There's nothing too hard for God to do. We welcome you this morning. Hope you've had a great week. The fair is over, so we have no other purpose to exist. And uh, except to come today and uh, worship the Lord and tell him that we love him and believe in him. You know, it's always interesting when we meet here in this place because we came in uh, at about a quarter to eight this morning to start setting up for everything. And uh, there, was, uh, there were people in the, in the back room. Uh, it's called a personal bar. And there were people back there still cleaning up. And she said they had a drunken brawl in there last night. <laughs> and, uh, and what's interesting is our kids are meeting in there right now, you know? And uh, so our kids are meeting in a bar where there was a drunken brawl last night. And it said that they actually kicked them out of there and kicked them over into here. And then the owners of this part came and kicked them out and called the police. So all of that went on last night in a place where we are here worshiping God. Isn't that interesting? And what that says to me is, this church and every church is not about any building or any facility. It's about people. People that love and care for each other and, and love God and, and want to know each other better and serve each other and serve our community. That's why we're here. That's what God wants us to do and to be. So I'm glad you're here. I hope together we will be blessed as we study God's Word. Because we're going to meet some Pharisees. Jesus met with them. Pharisees were religious leaders, but they were pretty snooty. Uh, they were religious leaders that were very selective about who they thought was ever going to be pleasing to God or be a part of his kingdom. They didn't think Gentiles or sinners would be a part of the kingdom of God. Never. No Gentiles, just Jews. And they didn't think poor people or women would barely be a part of the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, they didn't love God. And you know how I know they didn't love God? Because they didn't love people. And the Bible is very clear. If you do not love people, don't say you love God. Because those things have to exist together. If you love God, you're going to love people. I'll tell you what they loved. They loved religion. And I will tell you that God hates religion because religion is all the rules and regulations that human beings make to try to make us think that we're going to be okay with God. God hates that because he says there's nothing you can do that makes your, you right with me. It's always about what Christ has done that makes you right with me and believing in him and believing in who he is and what he did. And so Jesus was trying to correct their wrong teaching. And they're wrong thinking. And we read a very interesting story that starts us off today on our thoughts about praying for people who are far from, from God. Because that's what God wants us to do. is to be people who are getting involved in the lives of those who don't yet know Christ as the forgiver of their sin and the leader of their life. And to be praying for them and believing for them. Here's the story. Luke 14, 16 through 23. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when all was ready, he sent his servant around to notify the guests that it was time for them to come to this big banquet, this big feast. But they all began making excuses. One said that he had just bought a field and wanted to inspect it, 
So he asked to be excused. Now, that was a lie. Because you see, if you've ever been to Israel, it's a very small country, about the size of Iowa. And, and if they were going to buy land, they would have inspected it before they bought it to make sure it wasn't just a rocky kind of a mountainside. Another one said that he had just bought five pair of oxen and wanted to try them out. That was a lie. Because oxen were very expensive, and you'd have to try them out ahead of time before you'd buy them to make sure they're going to pull together in a team and, and plow the ground properly. It'd be like buying five automobiles and never even checking to see if they had an engine in them. This guy was lying. Another one had just been married, so he said he couldn't come. Now, that's more understandable to me, okay? <laughs> I can kind of kind of agree with that guy and understand where he was, okay? But it was still just an excuse, okay? It was an excuse. So the servant returned and told his master what they had said, and his master was angry. He said, my goodness, and really, this is talking about the Jews here because God came to the Jews, and they just over and over and over again rejected him. And so the master was upset. I've given them everything. I've done everything. I've offered everything to them at this great banquet, and they won't come. So the master was angry, and he said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. No one ever invited those people to come to their banquets. They were shunned. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge. The word urge there is the word compel. Compel anyone, any strangers, whoever it may be, compel anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Now I want to do something for just a second. I want to show you something, okay? Um, I want you to see this chair right here. See it? I want you to see this chair. It's evidently safe for somebody, but they didn't come. Okay? And this one. Okay? Okay? Now I'm so thankful you're here. It's great to be with you this morning. Good to see you, Keith. Need to shave, but you're okay. <laughs> We're good buddies. I hope we still are after that. <laughs> now, what I want you to do is to look at those chairs, okay? Um, those chairs are empty. And God wants his house to be full. And from the best statistics we could ever have on the golden circle of Des Moines, Iowa, there are at least 400,000 people who never, ever enter the door of a church, ever. Not Christmas, not Easter, maybe at a funeral, maybe at a wedding. That would be it. They don't go to church anywhere. With all of our 500 churches we have in the city, there's not over 200,000 people that attend those 500 churches. And so, I mean, the fields are just white unto harvest. They're just ripe. And, and God wants those chairs to be full. Not just in our church, but every church that preaches the Word of God. And, 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 and every life, He wants them to hear and to know about the gospel. Now you think about the chair you're sitting in, and think of how many people over the five years that we've rented these facilities 
who've sat in those chairs, and they've come and they've heard the word of God and heard us praising the Lord, and they've fellowshiped together, and God's gotten a hold of their hearts, and so many of them have come to know Jesus Christ as the forgiver of their sin and the leader of their life. See, we have a, th- a little saying around here, and I hope it's uh, a compliment uh, because it's sure meant that way. And that is anybody who walks through the doors of this church, we say God's out to get them. God's out to get them. Because they wouldn't be coming here otherwise. God wants to do something in their lives. And so we have to see everyone as a person that God loves and wants to fill the chairs, the seats at his banquet table. Okay? And I don't just mean in church, though that's so important, but I mean truly know Christ as the forgiver of their sin and the leader of their life. So I want to ask you three key questions, kind of challenging questions for every one of us. The first one is this. Do we realize that every lost person we meet or know is an eternal soul loved by God and will exist somewhere for eternity, either with God in heaven or separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell? Do we really realize that every person we come into contact with, be it in our family, be it in our extended family, be it at work, in the workplace, or on the team that we play with, or in our neighborhood, or in our friendships? Do we realize that every single person that comes into our world, into contact with us, that person is an eternal living soul who's going to live somewhere forever, either with God or eternally separated from him in hell. Now, the second question is this. Do we care? Do we care? And and, and that, to me, is just an all-important question. Because, you see, if we really believe that people who die without a faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, are separated from God forever. If anything should drive us to prayer and and to passionate concern and intimate care with people's lives, it should be that. Do we care? Or do we just get so busy with our own little mundane stuff that next week doesn't even matter that we just walk right past So many people who need the Lord. The third question is this. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Um, We've got to answer that, every one of us. So on your sheet there that's in front of you, there's a place for you to write a name. Amanda mentioned this earlier to prepare you. There's a place in a prayer, or in, a, in a, a prayer there, and we're going to close with that prayer after a bit. And I want you to take, uh, even during this next video we're going to look at, I want you to take a moment to really think, who is it that I care about? Who is it that God's brought into a relationship with me 
who needs to know the Lord. They're part of those, those hundreds of thousands of people, perhaps in this area or somewhere else in the world, who don't know Christ as their Savior. And God's putting a burden on your heart, or you, you come to recognize, man, I need to be praying for that person. I need to be involved in that person's life. I need to care. God, show me what to do. I want you to write a name in there because we're going to pray for them at the end of the service or of, our, of the lesson. Now, and I think one of the reasons we're afraid to, to witness or share our faith with others many times is because so many people seem to not understand and we're afraid we won't know exactly what to say and, and be prepared to share with them. But I will tell you, people are hungry for love and truth. Uh, Jesus tells us very clearly uh, in the Bible that we are to, to care about people and to be witnesses to them. And Paul tells us over in 2 Corinthians and chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he tells us why it's so hard for many people to be able to believe. So I want you to notice this carefully, okay? It says, if the good news, that's the gospel, the message of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, if the good news we preach is veiled from anyone, that word veiled means to hide, to cover, to wrap around something. It's, it's as if, if they, they can't see. If this message of the gospel is veiled from anyone, it is a sign that they are perishing. And the people who can't see are not in relationship with God through faith. They are separated from him on their way to eternal separation from God. It's a sign that they are perishing. Satan, the God of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. That word glorious light is the word fotizo, from which we get our word photo. And you know how a photo is taken. A shutter lets in light. And then you can see a picture. You can see the unveiling was gone. So every one of us who believe have a part to play in lifting that veil off the mind of the people who are blinded by the God of this world, which is Satan. They're covered up. They can't see the glorious light. If we know Christ as our Savior, one day, God, by His grace, allowed us to have that veil removed, and we saw that Jesus was the Son of God, and we believed in Him, and we believed He paid the penalty for our sinfulness on the cross of Calvary, and we asked Him to come into our life, the very heart of our being, the core of our being, and to forgive us of our sinfulness, and to take control of our lives, and make us the people He created us to be. That's that glorious light that shines on some but so many are blinded so many cannot see and that's why God wants us on their behalf to be burdened for them to be praying for them to be involved in their lives to be letting them know that they are loved unconditionally Often when I am building a relationship with an, a lost person, an unsaved person, I will tell them, you know what, ultimately I want you to know 
If I can share my faith with you, I want you to know what you do with that is between you and God and the fence post. You are my friend. Nothing will change that. But I do want you to hear the truth, if you will. Paul goes on and he tells us why we can boldly witness to others. Now, here's why we should never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch. It's the 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. We are human. I love that. Because Paul says, you know, we can't do anything about this by ourselves. You see, only the Spirit of God does spiritual work. I can't make anyone believe in Christ. I can't change and fix anybody's life. Only the Spirit of God can do that. I'm just a human. You're just a human. That's why we can have courage to be witnesses, because it's not about us. It's not from us. It's from God. Now watch how Paul explains this. He says, we are human, but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. See, in other words, it's not just our little things that we memorize and our little motivational things and our little tricks that we can play to try to get people saved. That probably will push them further away from the Lord. Paul says, he says, we don't wage war with human plans and methods. We use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons. Now, what are God's mighty weapons? Here's what they are. First of all, the Bible. Because we need to know some scriptures like, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and John 3, 16 and Romans, you know, but God commends his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and, and whosoever believes in, in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We need to know some of that truth because truth sets people free. But there are other weapons. One of the biggest weapons that God has is to put a burden on our heart for somebody. And that's why I ask you to write that name down. Because whoever you wrote down or whoever you will write in that blank is a person that God is laying on your heart today. And he says, you're not going to cause those people to believe in Jesus Christ with your little motivational tricks. But he said, you've got some mighty weapons. And one of the biggest ones is a passion in our hearts, a burden in our hearts, a love in our hearts, a compassion in our hearts for other people. And we seek to show it. We build relationships with them. We help them in any way we can. We're there for them. We just love them. We enjoy being with them. And, and, and another weapon that we have is faith. And that involves patience, because faith and patience kind of go together, because you start praying for someone, and they may reject and reject and reject. But if God's put them on your heart, you better keep praying for that person and believing. See, I think that we can believe for people. That's what intercessory prayer is all about. It's praying for. It's believing with another person. Believing for another person. God, my prayer, my faith in you is that in your time and in your way, with patience, you will break through that veil that the enemy has placed over these people's eyes that causes them to not see your glorious light. And that you will break through that. God, however you want to use me, I will keep praying, I will keep believing, I will keep letting you love them through me. But I won't quit. 
Because if you lay someone on my heart, then I'm going I'm to do whatever you ask me to do to believe for their salvation. I have hardly ever asked anyone who tells me that they know Christ as their Savior. Who was it that was praying for you? But what they said, here's my grandma, here's my mother, here's my Sunday school teacher, it was Uncle George. Yeah. Somebody was praying for them. I believe that almost everyone who gets saved, somebody's praying for them somewhere, somehow. It's very much power in intercessory prayer. Believing with, believing for another person. And there's also living our lives. You see, if we are not living godly lives before these people, they're not going to want God. Because they're going to say, if, you, this, if this God that you say you believe in is like you live, then I'm not interested in that. They need to see Christ through us in our lives. So he says, we use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons. And I love this. I don't know exactly what is on your screen, but here's the words. To knock down every proud argument that keeps people from knowing God. To knock down means to destroy. And every proud argument is like a, a prison or a, a fortress or a castle. It's, it's something that people have built up to resist God. And God says, when you start praying for them and you let the word of God be used when you can and, and you get involved in their lives and you start believing for them, over a period of time, God can knock down whatever it is that they've built up, be it a worldly philosophy be it some kind of belief system that causes them to believe there's no God, or if there is one, he doesn't care. Or maybe even just to knock down their excuses that they've built up so that they can't see the glorious light of the gospel. And then he goes on and he says, with these weapons... We conquer the rebellious ideas, the thoughts, schemes, and plans of people, and we teach them to obey Christ. I just love that because the, the, the word obey there means to hear under. In other words, by the prayers we're praying and the passion we have for them and the love we share with them and the relationships we build and the opportunities that they will give us through those relationships to share some truth of what Christ has done in our lives, then he says, they start coming under the teaching of Christ. And all of a sudden, that can break that veil and they can see. So I'm going to tell you what God's saying to Simple Church this morning, okay? He's saying this. Simple Church, you, me, not a building. Praise God, we're not having a drunken brawl in here today. Okay? Drunk in the spirit, I hope, but nothing else, okay? He says, Simple Church, bring in the blind and the crippled and the hungry. Bring in the doubting and the confused and the lonely and the lost. Bring in the stubborn and the cynics and the difficult and the proud and the confused and the hopeless and help them find a chair at the table 
at the banquet table. Help them find an invitation to come and learn of and, and, and to, to let the truth under Christ open their eyes so they can see. Yeah, you know, a lot of people say, well, well I, I want the church to be about me and my family. And, and it is. We're a family here. Okay? Praise God for our family. But this isn't just about us. This is about us so we can be encouraged to go out and into the highways and the hedges and invite the people to come in. Our main purpose is Jesus' main purpose. Luke 19.10, here's what it says. And he's speaking. I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. So I'll tell you what Jesus is saying to us today. Right from his word. He's saying, come on church. Let's break down some proud arguments. Let's be used of God to set some, some prisoners in bondage free. Let's tell them there is a God who cares Let's represent them and intercede for them before God. And so on your sheet, you have a sample prayer. I'd like for you to look at it with me. It'll be up on the screen also. I'm going to read it, and then I, I want us to say it together. But as we do, perhaps you don't have to say it out loud, but when we come to those blanks, I want you to think of who you wrote down. I know who I've written down. The prayer is this. By the weapons God has given to me, and by the power of the Holy Spirit being released in Jesus' name, I receive authority over every belief system, high thing, and thought, which keeps my friend blinded to the truth. By prayer and humble faith and dependence on you, O God, I claim my friend for you. Now, the reason we put that on the sheet is because I want you to have that to be praying this week. I want me to have that to be praying this week. So let's say it together. We don't usually say stuff together, but let's do it here, okay? Let's just pray this prayer. Oh, God. By the weapons God has given to me, and by the power of the Holy Spirit being released, in Jesus' name, I receive authority over every belief system, high thing, and thought, which keeps blinded to the truth. By prayer and humble faith and dependence on you, God, I claim for you. Now, you know what's interesting about church? <laughs> we can come and have our donuts and coffee and have our nice little table talk signs and then go out and do nothing about what we heard. That's church for a multitude of people. And I will tell you, if you and I do that today, we're going to miss out on being a tool in the hand of God for whoever God's going to Bring your way this week. Because I'll tell you, after you hear God's word, then we are held responsible for it. To him that knows to do right and does not do it, to him it is sin, the Bible says. That's not a guilt trip. That's just truth. 
And so God's going to bring someone across your path this week. He does it every week, but many times we just walk right on past. He's going to bring them, and they're going to be watching your life. And by your life, by the word you speak, and by the way you treat people, and by the way you respond to each other, they're going to see whether you really truly know God or not. And if they see Christ in you, they're going to be coming under more and more under his teaching. And your life's going to be the word of God speaking to them. But also, we'll have many opportunities in our conversations to tell people. And you know, the, we're going to see this in October, but the best, the best tool for witnessing is just to tell your story. Just tell your story. You know, I don't know what this will mean to you, but thank you for letting me tell you what God has done in my life through Christ. Best thing you can do. There is nothing greater we can do to fulfill God's plan for our lives than to help other people see Christ, have their eyes opened, and believe in him. May you and I not miss one opportunity that God brings before us this week. May we take it seriously. Be praying for the person that God's laid on your heart. Be seeking to get together with them if you can. Build that relationship and pray for God to give an open door for you to be able to tell of your faith. It's powerful because when we ask, he answers and he does it. So, Lord, uh, today, we take your word and uh, listen to what you've said, and we ask that it will just really uh, cause us to be aware this week more than we have for maybe a long time of the fact that we are like salt and light. The way we live and the way we love and the way we serve should be like salt that makes people thirsty for you. And, and the way our lives just reflect the life of Christ, we should be like light that shines into people's darkness so that they can see the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you will help us, help me, to be those kind of people. Help us to focus less on ourselves and our schedules and be available to see more and more of other people and what you're wanting to do in their lives. Thank you for intercessory prayer. May we intercede this week and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family, you can visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our simple.church app.